come with us. When you wish upon a star. Come and remember the magic. Dudes and dudes, welcome to the third anniversary of 90s Disney, your podcast for everything about Disney in the 90s. I'm your host, AJ Minotti, joined by my brothers, Mike Minotti. Hello. And Chris Minotti. Hey, hey. Guys, we did it. Three years. Can you believe it? I didn't realize it was the anniversary. I I knew it was, but I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Hooray for us. Three, Three years. Jeez. Yeah, that's crazy. We did what, it. Yeah, yeah. Imagine we'll feel like another two years. It'll be five years. That's a big. That's a more important number than <laughs> that's three. An actual miles. We'll do something special on that one. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like kids. You know, we'll every, talk, we'll all talk the early birthdays is got to be a big deal. But like after they turn like six, you're like, who yeah. cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's a person with seven year old. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Of course, we have a phenomenal episode for you today. We are going to talk about the movie Tarzan mm. by Walt Disney mm. Feature Animation. And uh, we're going to get into it, I guess. So this movie came out June 18th, 1999. This is no, the late 90s. It was. Right? I, I didn't realize. For some reason, like in my head, it was earlier than this. But yeah, this was uh, the tail end of our purview, as it were. This was to come out relatively uh, like about a month after episode one, right? Didn't that yes, come out in May? Uh, that was like still the number four movie. But would you like to guess what the number one movie was when this came out? Was it this? It was. <laughs> this movie was it made very it. popular. <laughs> The number two movie for reference was Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, another classic. Yes. You know you know what's funny is that these are there's two movies that I associate with uh, this movie theater in Toronto. We used to go to when we visited there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was this Paramount-owned theater. It was great. There's two movies I think we saw there. One was Tarzan, and the other was um, uh, the third Austin, Austin Powers Power. movie. Did we see Tarzan there? I think we saw it, Tarzan. Because I remember because it had the Toy Story 2 trailer in front of it because yeah, it was Disney. Right. Yes. Oh. And it was, that was, it was the Boys Are Back in Town like teaser trailer. Where okay. Yeah. 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 There you go. Cool. That was Very a great cool. movie theater. They had like an Enterprise or some kind of like a, a Wasn't there a Star Trek, Trek ship. Uh, Bird of Prey. Bird of Prey, Bird of Prey yeah, yeah. when you're going up like the escalator. escalator and, yeah. uh, and there was like, it wasn't just a concession stand. It was like all these fast food restaurants up there. It was great. Yeah, it was very extravagant. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this movie is uh, going to be celebrating its 23rd anniversary coming up. So you know, subtract so three from our three and you're at the 20th, which is a big deal. It is. So there you go. The number one song when this came out was If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez. Don't know it. Exactly. And uh, I decided, you know what, what, what video games came out around this time? Uh, the closest release was Descent 3 on June oh, 17th. Wow. This used Descent? to be important games. They used to get you very dizzy. Very thick. dizzy. Oh, yes. Yeah. You're, you're like a spaceship. It was like basically Quake, but you're a spaceship and you have like... 360 can, degrees. Right. Yeah, there was, yeah, there was no up. Yes, it was very disorienting. Yeah. Uh, and on June 11th, the first Mario Golf came out now, for Chris, Nintendo what, 64. Dang it. I was going to ask Chris what platform it came on. But yes, it did come out. In I was going to guess Game Boy Advance. Well, you would have been wrong. Fool. Uh, Game Boy Advance way <laughs> off. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't advanced enough as a society to have the no. Game Boy Advance in 1999. Oh, true. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look back at where Tarzan's uh, literary roots began in Tarzan of the Apes. Tarzan? Tar- I don't know. So Tarzan? I go back and forth. Tarzan? Written by American writer Edgar Rice Burroughs. 
Tarzan was first serialized in the pulp magazine The All Story starting in October of 1912 and was released as a completed novel in June of 1914. Uh, Burroughs would write, co-author, or authorize over two dozen sequels. Man, I want to I see like the Tarzan tier list of all of these things, <laughs> right? There must be yeah. somebody out there who has strong opinions which about which ones, ones are the canon best. and which ones like, aren't. It really went off the rails after Tarzan 9. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it was... A massive hit, and Burroughs was not ashamed or shy of milking that cow. Oh, ride that gravy yeah. train. Yeah, as, as much as he could, man. He, he, he was out to make his money. Uh, you know, no, nothing wrong with that. So he, uh, he really wanted to take this character to every medium he could, including film, radio, comics, even the stage. Well, in the early 1900s, it's pretty impressive that you can do that. I mean, oh, we're, yeah. we're not I mean, thinking about IP the same way we were at No, that but right. he, he definitely was. He was kind of ahead of the game. Well, we have, we have things like uh, it's, Sherlock Holmes is a bit similar, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have this famous character, and it, it is like for the first time people like this character so much. We're going right. to make more. And he was warned. You know, people are saying, you know, you've got, you've got all these Tarzan things coming, different mediums, different companies all at the same time. They're going to compete against each other. He did it anyway, and he was right. Like, it didn't matter. Everyone just wanted Tarzan stuff, so they just bought whatever they could get. Um, it is the second most adapted book of all time on the screen. Ooh, ooh. Can anyone guess the first? Christmas Carol. No. Dang it. Most adapted? Yeah, what's what? What's the only other book to have been adapted to the film more than Tarzan? Do you know, Chris? Oh, man. Uh, I, I don't. Is it one of, like, a monster? Uh-huh. It's oh. the monsters. It's uh, a Dracula. It's Dracula. Uh, <laughs> there, I hope you get there. <laughs> Team effort, everybody. All right, so let's jump to the 90s and when Disney first starts taking a crack at Tarzan. So they originally were going to do this as a straight-to-video project. And after the success of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Jeffrey Katzenberg asked none other than our pal, Tab Murphy, to come in and write for Tarzan. Hey, good job, Tab. Yes. So... He basically said to him, we're going to do Tarzan, but I got to tell you, it's not the glamour situation he had a hunchback. We're going to do his direct-to-video, and he said it's not a, a sexy feature or anything, but it's a cool story. We're going to do it, and I'd love for you to be part of it. So Tab, fan of Tarzan, as far as I can tell? Uh, let's skip ahead. Tab's going to be on the show in the bonus episode, and we're going to talk to him about this movie and yes. Brother Bear, because so why not? We'll yeah, ask cool. him lots of questions about Tarzan soon. Yes. Uh, so we'll get the, the answer straight from the horse's mouth. But basically, he agrees to do it. He writes his first treatment, which much more closely follows the original book. Uh, in that book, you have Tarzan being raised by apes, meets humans, actually leaves the island, goes to England, where he re regains the title of Lord Greystroke. Ooh. Or Greystoke. There's no R. Excuse me. Um, so he kind of does this treatment. Things go quiet. And he's like, what's going on? Is this happening? Is it not? Turns out behind the scenes, the theatrical division also wanted to do Tarzan. So they kind of had to like get TV and direct to video to give it up. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Which yeah. I, I can't I'm imagine. Was, I, I imagine they have a little more sway right, in these situations. Yeah. You think that's a coincidence? Like without talking with each other, they both just wanted to do Tarzan? I don't. And that, this is where I couldn't really find a definitive answer. So I'm hoping Tab can, can maybe help us out with this one. But I don't know if it was like, oh, we were already doing our own Tarzan. We want to do it. Or. Oh, they're doing Tarzan. That's a good idea. Yeah, we might as well blend we them could together. Do that better. Mm -hmm. Let's. What is weird? It's not like Disney. It's not like the directed video division was doing a lot of original. Right, you know, there's a lot of sequels. It's, it's like the Pooh's Grand Adventure era. Nothing against Pooh's Grand Adventure. You but love like, Pooh's yeah, Grand Adventure. <laughs> you will not find bigger Pooh's Grand Adventure fans in the world. That's gonna be an episode someday. In fact, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's weird that they would just suddenly do Tarzan. Right. So it moves to feature. 
And uh, one of the first decisions that's made in the production is is Tarzan is not going to leave the island. He's going to stay there. Um, it felt too much like two different movies. Once yeah, he got to sense. England, it became a completely different thing. And, it, and not to jump ahead, but I know that when they did the stage adaptation way later, that that was a complaint about it, is that it gets kind of weird and disjointed because in the, in the musical that they do, he does go to England. And, oh. and people kind of thought it was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. So now they're going to basically focus on his relationship with these two worlds, the apes and the humans. Two worlds, that's catchy. Yeah, they should, they should remember <laughs> that. <laughs> and then you have the character of Clayton kind of become the primary antagonist, which is another departure from the book. So in the books, uh, Clayton is actually Tarzan's biological cousin. What a coincidence that he finds him. Mm. Uh, he inherited the family estate after the disappearance and deaths of Tarzan's parents, uh, John II and Alice Clayton. Um, he was Jane's kind of bumbling fiance, and he was kind of jealous of Tarzan, but he was actually like not a bad person. And in the end, like he realizes Tarzan and Jane belong together. He, he calls off the engagement and, Wait, this is, and dies. Then he dies of a fever. But <laughs> Do you mean this is Tarzan's last name is Clayton, technically, then? If his parents uh, yes. are the Claytons? Okay. Yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. Right, Tarzan Clayton <laughs> of the New Hampshire Claytons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The, uh, the Disney version of Clay- Clayton actually takes a lot of influence from a character named Rokuff, who is the villain in the mo- novels. <clears throat> He's uh, you know, characterized as a savage from a civilized society as opposed to Tarzan, who is civilized from a savage society. Huh. You see the, the parallels. You know, it's like poetry. They rhyme. Mm. Get it? Get it, Mike? Okay. Sure, yes. So, and then um, Kerchak was the original villainous animal in the books as opposed to Sibor, the... Uh, what is Sabor? Is it a cheetah? Cheetah, right? Cheetah, yeah. yeah okay. So, are you, wait. <laughs> I hesitated for a second. Are you saying in the books it is a, a, a gorilla who kills? Uh, yeah, well, so Tarzan's mom had already died of natural causes, and then Kerchak kills his father. But then the, the father ape in the books is an ape named Tublat, who <laughs> he comes into the Tarzan TV show as a villain, voiced by Keith David, actually. No. So, I'm sure, I'm sure it was a cool That's Tarzan lore, Keith man. David. Yeah. So, much like the Halo TV show from the video games, my two separate canons that you really have to consider, okay? Just to keep it all straight. So, Tab, uh, actually, after turning in the kind of first draft, he actually left the production at that point. He uh, went to do Atlantis. So, he's not here for the full ride on this. No, he is not. He really kind of set the the foundation, wrote that first draft of the script, and then, um, you know, the, the, the opportunity for Atlantis came up. He didn't want to miss it. He wanted to get back with Kirk and Gary. And uh, Don Hahn, and uh, he took that chance. And, you know, he that's very common for, for films. Oh, uh, sure. Right, right. You have, like, that first screenwriter who kind of does the first go at it, does the story treatment, does the first right. draft, then new people come in, plus it up, and, and kind of right. finish it out. Uh, those writers were Bob Sudiker and Noni White, who came in to finish the script. The movie is co-directed by Kevin Lima, who had his uh, directorial debut with a Goofy movie. Ooh. And first-time director Chris Buck, who would go on to do, uh, co-direct the Frozen films. So that's it, because you're talking about how some origins here in the direct-to-video uh, sector. I know Goofy movie is not direct-to-video, but actually kind of was more so that team than the Disney feature right. animation team. Right, so this was kind of Kevin Lima's like call-up to the big leagues, as it were. Mm. And the one thing that they knew they wanted from the, early on was Phil Collins involved. Um. He didn't feel his songs were very well suited, like kind of filmatic storytelling. So he was kind of resistant to it. So Lima Buck and a Disney executive music producer named Chris Montan, or Montan, like could be saying that wrong. They actually flew to Switzerland where Collins was, like get him to agree to do this. And they're telling him, like, listen, you have this like 
driving percussive music. You know, that's like Genesis's whole soundscape is very percussive. Mm-hmm. That really fits with Tarzan and the yeah, jungle. And the jungle theme. Yeah, we really, we really want you to do this. Um, and apparently, Collins read the book and really fell in love with it. Yeah. And so that's the kind of convincing to sign on and, and do it. So we'll talk about the music in the film more later. The lead animator on Tarzan is none other than Disney legend Glenn Keane. Apparently his son was very into extreme sports at the time. Oh, it's 1999. Yeah, who yeah. wasn't? Who right. wasn't playing Tony Hawk's pro skater? Uh, so that was a lot of the inspiration for kind of Tarzan's physicality as he moved through the jungle was extreme sports. Um, he literally used Tony Hawk as inspiration for like things like the Son of Man sequence. Mm. Uh, just the way he kind of carried his body and moved and shifted his momentum and everything. Right. Like I mean, Glenn Clean's always so good. Uh, I mean, his animation is, is great. And yeah. Tarzan really is like one of the neatest animated Disney characters. It really is. I think it's very underrated. Right. He, and then, you know, it's got the floppy hair that he's right. you know, Ariel and everything like mm-hmm. that. Um, Glenn felt that, you know, there'd been so many Hollywood adaptations of Tarzan, but because of time, technology, effects, in his mind, they never caught the way Burrow wrote the character as this guy flying through the, the jungle, wow. you know, across the tree. Have, have they never been on the great movie ride? I mean, he just, <laughs> he just glides. Nope, he glides <laughs> right across. They didn't have access to Tony Hawk at the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That's, that was the difference. Uh, it was actually Danton Burroughs, who's the grandson of Edgar Rice, who uh, felt that Glenn was the first to capture the movement of the character as his grandfather had written him. So, Tell you what, that is the first time there. seeing that movie, it's very impressive. Like seeing him flying around in the vines and all mm-hmm. the tree branches is yeah. really cool. The way he's kind of gliding on on yeah. the, the mossy the moss. trunks, even though it makes me worry so much about splinters. <laughs> it looks great. Well, so much of why it looks great is because of the development of deep canvas, which is it was it's so cool. Like they used in the marketing for this film. You always heard about deep canvas, deep canvas. Deep canvas was a new 3D technology that allowed for painterly backgrounds to be created using CGI. So this allowed for depth and free camera movement throughout the environment, something you kind of take for granted today. But in the late 90s, especially Mm -hmm, to still have it look like hand-painted backgrounds, this was a huge deal. Uh, Really changed Yeah, not like obvious animation. Right, yeah, and doing it like straight up with a computer and having the actual assets have depth, not just having multiple planes like you would with a multi-plane camera. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is, you know, what made all the surfing and swinging possible. Um, The term deep canvas was actually coined by artist and engineer Eric Daniels. Uh, It was used in the last of the Disney 2D films of the era, including Atlantis. Uh, You see it a lot in Treasure Planet. Uh, Also used in Brother Bear and Home on the Range. It's interesting. I wonder what shots on Home on the Range use that. Yeah, right. Well, so what I was reading is one of the criticisms of the technology in Treasure Planet was... Because Treasure Planet was like sci-fi and had more angles to it, the the use of deep canvas wasn't as apparent because it just kind of looked like CG at that point, which we'd start to gotten more used to. Right. So it wasn't as impressive, I guess. It, it I, mu- I thought it was, but it, it looks really it, sucks. it looks works really well for Tarzan because it is so kind of jungly. Yeah, there brush. are some moments where some of the brush even kind of looks a little weird, especially if it's in the foreground mm-hmm. and it's kind of shaking a lot, like they're trying, like they're almost doing too much of it and it stands out. For the most part, it works really well. Yeah. By the time you got to Brother Bear and Home in the Range, it was a little bit more subtle in its use, just to make some camera moves, basically. Right. There's one 360 shot in Brother Bear when they're singing the song called Brother Bear. And I remember even at the time thinking it wasn't mapped super well, but just bringing it, I don't know why I'm bringing that up. I am. It's good. I'm, I'm, the I'm really not that you are. Yeah. <laughs> just, these things. Look, I'll, I'll watch it again. I'll see. But I remember, <laughs> like, I feel like these characters are awkwardly sliding on this cliff that they're sitting on as the camera's panning around them. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out because this is no ballroom scene from Beauty and the Beast, yeah. is all that I was saying. <laughs> this is no ship launch from Treasure Planet. Mm. 
one of my favorite sequences. Let's talk about the cast of the film. Tarzan is voiced by Tony Goldwyn. Uh, he acted in a bunch of TV stuff, um, nothing super huge. But by coincidence, I found out he is the grand- grandson of Walt Disney's friend and fellow independent producer, a legendary filmmaker named Samuel Goldwyn. So mm. there's your Disney connection there. Uh, young Tarzan was voiced by a young man named Alex D. Lins. Jane Porter is voiced by Minnie Driver. Uh, kind of her, like a, a cool story I found out about her. She improvised that scene where she's like breathlessly telling them about seeing Tarzan for the first time and being chased by the ape. She just like mm-hmm. just made that wow. up. She's fantastic. She, yeah. She's maybe the best part of the movie. She has she's great. such a she, unique voice. Yeah, too she has for, great like inflection in her voice. Right. It's, it's, it's a fun performance. Right. Uh, yeah, that whole character is, is a lot of fun. A lot of times like the it's like a, the token romantic partner, but uh, that, that whole thing really works here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor Archimedes Q. Porter is voiced by Nigel Hawthorne. Tantor is voiced by Wayne Knight. Uh, you know, everyone knows it's Newman from Seinfeld. Also, Al and, from Al's Toy Barn in Toy Story 2. So another uh, big year for him <laughs> that year between those two films. We got Al here. We got Al here. See, no one cares. No one cares. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. He apparently based his performance on a radio food critic named Merrill Schindler. Hmm. Um, I tried to find some audio of this guy and couldn't come up with anything because I was really curious to see how it matched up. But he claims that's what he was doing was Merrill Schindler of of, of L.A. based food critic on the radio. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, oh, and uh, young Turk. young Tantor is voiced by uh, Taylor Dempsey. We'll throw that in there. Uh, I only say because Turk uh, voiced by Rosie O'Donnell, both young and yes, old. Yes, you can kind of tell. Right? Mm-hmm. Turk was originally written as a male character. Uh, one story that I couldn't fully corroborate, so take it with a grain of salt, was that the role was originally offered to Chris Rock, who not only turned it down but was insulted by the offer. Really? <laughs> insulted? Uh, oh, really? Yeah, right. Like, yes. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but apparently, it, it, you're saying it, are, you say, zebra. are you saying that you thought it was a slap in the face? <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't be funny, but it is. Darn it, Mike. Uh, Darn it, Mike. I was proud of that one. <laughs> Apparently, Rosie O'Donnell's audition just audition just clicked really well, and you know, to the point of like, okay, let's swap the gender. Well, that, that was like her the height of her yes. career too. Yeah, that was like that she, God, had, she had the show, the she daytime talk show, right. and they always she do was stuff the, in the Disney Ellen at the time. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like, yeah, of course, Rosie O'Donnell is going to be like the Robin Williams like star character casting in this one. Mm-hmm. And really, the only big star casting in this one, like Wayne Knight, even is like. Pretty well, small. Kala is voiced by Glenn Close. I didn't know that until I just read this. Actually, yeah, it doesn't quite I mean, sound like her the way you expect. I guess it's a very good performance. Glenn Close is like quote unquote. Is this even? I'm trying to figure out when that 101 Dalmatians. It had already happen. been out because oh, really? 102 Dalmatians was <laughs> directed by was it Lima or Buck? Oh, I think it was Lima. Interesting. Yes, uh, he must have uh, must have really hit it off with Glenn. Yeah, Close. yeah, exactly. It must have been good pals. Uh, Kerchak is voiced by uh, actor Lance Hendrickson. Uh, Clayton is voiced by one of my favorite performers, Brian Blessed. Uh, you ever you ever see the Brian Blessed alarm clock app? What? What? No. Because no. <laughs> he's he's just he's known by that big boisterous voice. What of, else has he like done? Uh, all kinds of stuff. Now you put him in the spot. Did it, Mike? Well, I mean, you're talking. He's known for this big boisterous thing, and he has, his own, he has his own alarm clock. Because my buddy had this in college, and like literally, it was just like, like this, like Brian Blessed face, kind of looking like Monty Python s coming up and I'll back from the mic, going, "Rise, rise!" <laughs> it's just the funniest thing ever. Um, but the funny thing here, actually, is 85 right now. Geez. Yeah, he's he's still alive. 
He's, oh, he's, you know, yeah, he's he, Boss Nash. That's what I meant to say. He's, who? he's yeah. Boss Nash from Star Wars Episode yeah. One. Uh, uh, our, our father's favorite character for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> he was old Deuteronomy in the original production of Cats in London. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, Boss Nash is what I meant to bring up, and I totally forgot. Cheese. Anyway, thought some Shakespeare. Jeez. Yeah, he, like he you know, did a lot of British stage stuff and everything. Um, he actually is the one performing the Tarzan yell in the movie. That's interesting. Apparently, yeah. Tony Goldwyn like tried it, and everyone's like, yeah, that's not that great. I was wondering that too. Like watching the movie, like do they cast based on if they could do that voice right. for and, Tarzan? And and apparently, like they they were. I don't know how he found out that it wasn't working, but Brian was the one who went to the director and was like. I can do the Tarzan yell. And they're like, okay, Brian. He's like, just let me do it. And he just like went in and nailed it. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's doing the Tarzan. What is that? Then <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. So everything I see in the credits says Sabor is is voiced by Frank Welker, which is not surprising at all. Right. Famous voice actor. He's done a lot of you know, he, stuff. He was a boo and you know stuff like that. But um, that's a really th- animal-sounding animal performance, though. But he does that a lot. Yeah. But he's not actually in the credits. Hmm. And he was asked once if he did it, and he, like, can't remember because he has, like, 300 credits. Sure, yeah, name. sure. That, you know, for him, that was just Tuesday. Right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Frank, okay, we need a cheetah getting stabbed to death. All right, All right again. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so there, there's the, the cast of the film. Let's talk about the music because this is very important for the success of this movie. So Chris Montan originally considered uh, Mark Mancina to handle the score for the film. Mark was a producer and arranger on The Lion King, and uh, Chris felt that he and Phil Collins would make a good team. Mark is actually, uh, he did uh, the Moana soundtrack, I think. No. He's done some other since, yeah. What do you mean he did the Moana soundtrack? Like, 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 like the, score, the score. Oh, okay, so like, nah. Yeah, not Lin. Not Lin. Not Lin. <laughs> I was like, did he work with Lin-Manuel Miranda? Okay, yes, gotcha. I mean, presumably. Uh, so yeah, so like I said, Chris Montan wanted Mark to do it. The directors were like, eh, no, we don't think that's going to be good. We want to go with someone else. Uh, three months later, Mark gets a call. The other guy wasn't working out. We want you back. So he's mm-hmm. like, okay, sweet. Um, so Phil Collins started writing pretty quickly once he agreed to work in this film. Uh, some of the first songs he wrote were Son of Man, Trash in the Camp, and Strangers Like Me. Uh, also some other stuff that didn't get used. Um, then it was actually at a Christmas dinner where he wrote, you'll be in my heart when he was at a neighbor's house. He just kind of scribbled out the chords and melody on a piece of wrapping paper, like mm. inspiration he struck. He took, I guess. It, he took it, he put it up to his nose, whiffed in and just said, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, 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 Tony. <laughs> so Mark decides like he's a big Genesis fan. He's thrilled to be working with Phil Collins. He really wants to like gain Phil Collins trust, prove that he can handle this. So the first thing he does is he takes one of Phil's demo recordings of You'll Be In My Heart, just strips out the vocals and re-records new instrumentation all around it to kind of better suit the film, make it more of this kind of dreamy lullaby. This is the version that's in the movie, this okay. like demo attempt that he did and totally convinced Phil Collins, like, yeah, this guy gets it. He's going to work well. And apparently, they, they work incredibly well together throughout the entire production. Um, to his surprise, Phil Collins was very hands-on. Like he thought it'd be like, oh, he'll like wow. phone it in, you know, literally like on the phone, like l- listen to the recording sessions, have some notes, maybe. No, he was at every recording session, 
I mean, it, it makes sense. It's almost a Phil Collins album. It's not like a musical in terms of characters singing. It's just they play songs sung by Phil Collins over top of the movie and mm-hmm. a lot of them. It feels like half the movie is like that, too. Well, yeah, right. so and I mean, it aside from Trash in the Camp and the little bit of You'll Be in My Heart that Glenn Close sings that transitions to Phil Collins, it is just it's Phil Collins singing. Right. Kind of like, you know, what Randy Newman did with Toy Story. Right, yeah, it's closer to that, but even then, that's three songs, and this mm-hmm. is this feels even more than that. Yeah, it's funny because like no one calls Toy Story a musical, and yet I still think this is a musical. Right, exactly. I think because like, it's, I don't know if this is fair to say. Like, I mean, the music, the, the lyrics are very narrative. If that makes sense. Like, they match the action well, on this, the screen. This you know? drives the story forward. Right, and, and yeah. And Toy Story doesn't do it so much. It's, it's not more, as like, literal. happy and fun. It's not as yeah. literal. I mean, they fit the moods. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the lyric now where it's literally like uh, you know, Paradise Untouched by Man and like you see the apes. In sure, the sure. Right. Yeah, no, the, the, the what, uh, fill your, fill the sand beneath your feet now. It's literally like sand prints. Yeah, them like getting off the shipwreck and everything. Yeah. Mm, literal. So here's a fun story from Mark uh, talking about Phil Collins uh, that I pulled from an interview. He said, I do remember the time we had to do an overdub, but we were recording an orchestra. You've got 92 pieces sitting there, and we needed a pickup line from Phil. And he said, well, I just go out right now and do it. I thought, you want to sing in front of all these people, you're going to have to do seven or eight takes to get it right. But I mean, if you want to do it, great, fantastic. So he goes out there, and one take was perfect, not even warming up. That's the difference between a great singer and someone who sings. Mm, wow. Very cool. Yes. I wonder what the line was. Yeah, that's, uh, I'd be curious to know, too. But uh, it, like I said, it is cool that like he 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 didn't just like he, like see it as like a cash opportunity. Or right, he, he was involved. Yeah, he yeah. wanted to, to to be a big part of this. So the movie opens on June twelfth, nineteen ninety nine, at the El Capitan Theater. This is a cool thing that uh, Tab Murphy actually talked about in an interview with Forbes, where the the movie plays, everyone's like floored by how cool it is, and then the credits start, and like you know Phil Collins' music is playing, and then the screen lifts up, oh. and it's. Phil Collins playing like he was doing it live. He just like performed the soundtrack for 30 minutes. Wow. It was like a live Phil Collins concert after the movie. Uh, so it did extremely well. It became the well, number a, one. A real, a real quick aside that just it just sparked talking about this. Hmm. I watched a documentary not too long ago about Emperor's New Groove, mm-hmm. and they tried to kind of do the same thing with Sting instead of <laughs> Phil Collins. Yes, it just didn't really like work out because well, like the director was pushing for a lot more narrative driven like musical stuff like that and. They just ran out of time. Right. Well, we all that's back that. when it was like Kingdom of uh, yeah, right. Kingdom yeah, during that. Sun and so Sting was heavily involved, and then it ended up being he got a song in the credits. Yeah, from what I understand, he was actually pretty crestfallen about that because he was yeah. very excited to 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 kind of be in that same position. As right. Collins. So it's kind of cool. They were trying to match that, like get that magic right. you know, captured. That's why play. you have that song in the credits, "My Funny Friend and Me," which is a great song, but feels so tonally out of place right. in the Emperor's New mm-hmm. Groove. It's like I think that's just their kind of like. We're sorry, we kind of screwed this one up for you, but yeah. we'll get your one. Oh, uh, he was here. upset. Yeah, mm. uh, we did get Emperor's New Groove though. So. Yes, Emperor's New Groove is pretty good. All right, so this movie uh, grossed nearly five hundred million dollars worldwide. So you always, people kind of forget how like successful all these later '90s movies were. Yeah, yeah. It, it always it, it was kind of a narrative. In some sense, it's true that there was a downfall after Lion King, uh, just because they. Because like it was so it was big. So, it, yeah, it got exactly. big when things you know things get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they start kind of coming down to earth a little bit. Even though they're still hits, it's like wow, they're really losing it now, right? Oh, we're, we're past the prime. Yeah, well, and yeah, they get blamed for killing the Disney re- Renaissance and all that. Right, exactly. It's like of course, like we're not just going to keep doing better than the Lion King. Right. Yeah. 
I can't. Well, I wonder what Home in the Range made though. I'm curious. Well, there was a whole. Not, there was not, other factors there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Home in the Range Chicken did very riddle. badly. <laughs> yes, Home in the Range. Well, that killed 2D animation for a while. Yes. Uh, this movie though won several awards: uh, the 1999 Annie Award in the Technical Achievement in the Field of uh, Animation category for the Deep Canvas Process. It won the 2000 Academy Award for Best Song for "You'll Be in My Heart." I mean, he beat you know music from Toy Story too. Oh, he beat the Sad Jesse oh. in a Box song, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a good song. That's a good song, but it's no. You'll be although I don't know. I, of course, "You'll Be in My Heart" is the Oscar song, but it's all about two worlds for me. Yeah, it's even maybe even Son of Man. Maybe even, maybe even trash in the uh, can. Well, it yeah, could be one of those things that was played so much. You know, oh, it was definitely the radio the hit. Yeah. It was the radio yes, hit. I sure. get it. Uh, and won the 2000 Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song, for You'll Be In My Heart. The 2000 Grammy for Best Compilation Soundtrack Album for a Motion Picture, Television, or Other Visual Media. And uh, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences gave the creators of Deep Canvas a Technical Achievement Award in 2003. Wow. Now, Chris, you know what I think about when I think about Phil Collins winning that Oscar was uh, the South Park like made fun of him a lot. <laughs> Basically, just because they were sad because South Park, bigger, longer, and not cut, was that's also right. up for Blank oh, that's Canada. Right. That was the which same did, year. It was, which had some great right. songs. Remember that. they had Robin Williams sing it at the Oscars? Yeah, well, because the, uh, the woman who did uh, Stan's mom, she, she uh, passed a suicide, right? Why are you bringing that up? I mean, I don't know. It is. I'm sorry. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yes. I just get entered my head. But yeah, that's what happened. That's why Robin Williams you are saying correct. it. Yes, yeah. uh, the person. The, it was the person who did most of the woman's voices. Yeah, 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 yeah. they, they killed themselves everyone. shortly afterwards. But but Robin Williams was there before he did. It was great. See, you thought you took a dark turn on the whole episode now. You did this. <laughs> I was making a funny joke about South Park. I'm like, somebody there die. <laughs> well, they did. Oh, my God. I know you just saw, you just watched Tarzan AC Clayton get hanged to death, but come on. <laughs> we'll talk about that the later. parents brutally murdered. <laughs> yes. The corpses. <laughs> we'll talk about all that later. Fresh, probably. I don't know why they weren't devoured more. Yeah, that's... They're pretty. Again, they're sitting there pretty. That's why, he, the, that's why he's a villain. He did it for the fun. The, the, the animal. <laughs> he, he hunts for sport. <laughs> That's right. God. Anyway, let's talk about some of the sequels and series that Tarzan uh, spawned. First was The Legend of Tarzan, released in 2001. This was a uh, direct sequel to the movie, and none of the original cast returned. Wait, this. Wh- which none? one is this? I remember Tarzan J. I remember Tarzan too. What is Legend of Tarzan? That's the show. Oh, the show. Yeah. This didn't run very long, did it? Two years. That's two uh, years? Two seasons. No way. Yeah, way. That's surprising because a lot of times with these shows after the movie, a, a lot, of, a good portion of the cast comes back. No, the they, fact they, that none of them came, none of them, <laughs> right? Like for Aladdin, they they got basically everyone except for Robin Williams. They even got you know uh, Iago. They got Gilbert Gottfried right, in and there. Hercules. They you got... want to say something about how he's dead too, AJ? <laughs> it's very sad, Mike. Yes, it's it is. Sad. That's right. Uh, I mean, they, like I said, they got like good guest stars. Like Keith David was that one villainous gorilla. I know Jason Alexander played a character for some episodes. But yeah, they just couldn't get the original cast back for this one. Interesting. So then they released Tarzan and Jane, which is the direct-to-video movie. And this is one of those deals where they just took like the last three episodes of the series and uh, they, they, they hunched back in Notre Dame to it. Yeah, or, or Atlantis to it, but backwards. It was the end instead of the beginning. So like, it's right. like, literally like the story is. It's it's Jane and Tarzan's one year anniversary, and she wants to get him a gift. And like every time she goes to the idea, she goes, "Oh, he won't like that because of this thing that happened that time." Yeah. And then it like flashes back to the episode. Right. But then at the end, like he gets her all three of those gifts. It was like a diamond, some flowers, and like they danced or something like that. Um, so yeah, the show's existence so is so weird to me. How's Kerchak in it? Is he? 
<laughs> he has a voice credit. Maybe flashback. It has to be a flashback. Maybe he's, he's, he got better. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's like it's uh, the, the post Disney afternoon era of these Disney cartoons is so weird. I was like, where do people watch these? Like, this was on UPN. UPN, yeah. There, there's also like that Jungle Book, but like the Jungle Kids show at the same time. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's this weird era of Disney cartoons. I mean, they had, have a home. I mean, it had 39 episodes. It's not nothing, but right. It's like, I don't think oh, I've ever saw a second. Of right. This. Like, no, is it like in 10 years, people are going to be nostalgic for that and they're going to make a Disney Plus movie based I, off of it? I don't think if they, so. People <laughs> would have been nostalgic for it. That, that already would have happened, I think. Those kids are older. Right, right. But it's like that Aladdin TV show seems like such a big deal. But mm. yeah. again, babies, just because that's what one when I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. And, and was that, that was on Disney Afternoon. Oh, it is flashbacks. Don't worry. Kerchak, Kerchak is still on the ground. Okay. Oh, I was worried. No, no zombie gorillas or anything. Okay. Tarzan made a statue of him to commemorate his adoptive father and predecessor as leader of the gorilla troop. Hmm. Oh, it's, it's the guy from the original movie. He's one of only three actors to reprise the role. Oh, okay. So they got, go. him they got him back. For okay, the flashbacks. Good, 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 good. Good, good for them. Uh, then you had Tarzan 2, which was not a sequel, but Mequel. a midquel. 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 No, Bambi 2 is a midquel, too. There's a few of those. Yeah. Any of the movies where there's uh, like uh, some sort of a... Uh, age jump or whatever a time jump you have something yeah. in the middle there <laughs> and so yeah this is what this was basically if you took the son of man sequence and turned it into its own movie mm-hmm. uh that's what this is uh two new songs by phil collins for it wow I, I, really? I need to know and who am i wow i kind of want to hear those two four six oh one Dude, i'm no. tarzan sure we'll go with that <laughs> i wonder how, like how good is Tarzan too? How good could it pop? How bad can it be? I it's guess on, I wanna. That and Tarzan it. and Jane are on Disney. Oh, I'm Plus. sure they yeah, are. Let's watch them. I don't think the Legend of Tarzan is on. What Disney could the, Plus. what could the end of the movie possibly? It's not like Kerchak's gonna like him. Oh, do you want the plot run? Yes, the plot I would run. like sure. that. Okay. I would like that very much. Okay, let me see if I remember this because I've just you kind seen of it? Read it. No, I just read the. <laughs> are you okay. kidding me? I have better things to do. Look, someday so, we're gonna write a material. We're gonna be watching these directed video sequels. Okay, so he's the kid, and Kerchak's all like, "I don't like him." So mm-hmm. he feels bad, and he decides to run away. Mm. And he runs into these these bad gorillas, and they're like gonna rough him up. It's uh, Brad Garrett, and who is the other one? Someone else. It's always Brad and, Garrett. And, yeah, and, he's and, and their mom, and and I think the mom was Estelle Harris. Mm. Oh, okay. nice. Yeah. And, but they're all scared. This of sounds this, great so far. Yeah, they're all scared of this scary monster in the jungle. Who you hear it roaring, and like it even scares these bad guys. And so Tarzan gets away from them when the thing roars. He finds this old gorilla. Uh, I don't remember his name, and he was voiced by George Carlin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, you know, you know what he's doing now, AJ. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm just let me look. You made me think about it. I'll just say whatever I think. <laughs> yeah, you cough it up. So anyway, it turns out people don't know he's dead. It turns out old gorilla George Carlin is this monster. He just like he found like a hollowed out tree and he just screams mm-hmm. into it and like so everyone will leave him alone. So it becomes like a whole thing where it's like you know he's, he the, he learns from the boy that he doesn't have to be a, alone and a hermit anymore. And wow. Yeah, they, we're they, really they, learning they a lot. Back the bad gorillas, and then he goes home, and Kerchak still doesn't like him. I guess. Well, yeah, he can. <laughs> Not much going on. Kerchak's like, I liked it better when you were gone. <laughs> 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 Go back to church, George Carlin. Eh? <laughs> Great. Yeah, I don't think I need to see that one. <laughs> no. I am curious. You're like, what does George Carlin sound like as an old man? Gorilla? He probably just sounds like George Carlin. You think he did a voice? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably telling Tarzan about the five words you can't say on television. I'm going to go on a a weird tangent. You ever see like old George Carlin comedy? Yeah. Because it's weird because he comes out talking just like 
a very normal, sophisticated guy. Then he does this character who sounds like George Carlin. I can't treat George Carlin, but like close enough. Yeah, sounds like weird. Roz, but yeah, yeah, I did sound like Roz. All right, let's talk about Tarzan's presence in the parks. Uh, most famously, the Tarzan's Treehouse at Disneyland Park. <clears throat> this is a reimagining of the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse, and it opened on June twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, pretty so closely pretty, after pretty close, the movie, yeah, yeah. You know, synergy and all that. Uh, they did have two tributes to the original attraction with a Mind Thy Head sign and the Swiss Capulca is playing out of a gramophone in the uh, professor's little area at the base of the tree. Uh, they installed 6,000 new vinyl leaves under the tree to flush it out a little bit more. They built an entrance tree along with a connected suspension bridge to get into it. That entrance tree is probably part of its downfall because it's kind of right in the middle of that it's, walkway. It is kind of in the way. <laughs> it's pretty neat looking, though, from a distance. That rope bridge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a cool vertical element. Um, and it was just a walkthrough attraction. There's some little vignettes of scenes from the movie. Uh, you know, Kala holding baby Tarzan. Presumably next to the parents' corpses yeah, in there yeah, somewhere. I mean, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jane's there drawing, and it's pretty basic. Yeah, it's very basic. But I mean, it's like there's a lot of bells and whistles of the Swiss family rob as a tree. I mean, right. it's a treehouse that you walk up and down. Right. You get some good views of the park. It's not any there for. Yeah. But it, uh, it lasted until September 3rd of a 2021. Long time. Long time. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they closed it. They demolished the entrance tree on April 18th of this year, 2022. They're doing something to it, but they haven't said what. So the what, speculation what could it be? There's not uh, too many things you can do. A lot of people tree. think it's going to be something to do with Encanto. Like it might be um, oh. um, the the boys' room. Sure. Th- that um, stuff makes me sad because then I because that like well, to me is that's all they're going to do for well for well they're going to probably I'm sure they're going to do something with Encanto and Walt Disney World and I wouldn't be shocked if it's going to be where Hester and Chester is right now. Oh yes, mm-hmm. that's what I imagine is going to happen for Disney World anyway. There you go. You heard it here first. There you go, yes. So and they have this in Hong Kong. Have you looked at this in Hong Kong? No. no. Opened September 12, 2005. Instead of Tom Sawyer's Island, it's Tarzan's Island. They love Tarzan in Hong Kong. I don't know if they do or just it was like the timing just like benefited it. But like literally you have to take a boat like you would to go to Tom Sawyer Island to go to Tarzan Island so you could climb around in the treehouse. Interesting. I think it's bigger. Is it still Tarzan's yeah. Island? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do now? Go right. out and like, get construction equipment on this island and rebuild yeah. it? Like, <laughs> forever like it's going to suck there now. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it, like just the pictures I saw from like across the water. It's huge. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of kind of wild that like this is the thing that's out there. Uh, of course, in Animal Kingdom in Florida, you had Tarzan Rocks, which opened July 9th, 1999, to Theater in the Wild in Animal Kingdom, which replaced Journey into the Jungle Book. Two things. This isn't too far from where I think the Encanto ride's going to go. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and also, yeah, that Jungle Book show, I never saw it. It didn't never last it. long. Yeah, not long. No. People did not what was like wrong it. with it? I think it was bad. Yeah, of course. Well, this was uh, not so much like a storied retelling of the film, but more just like here's the music and some interpretive song. Right, it's just like acrobatics. Yeah, high energy acrobatics, skating. Stunts, I remember it was aerial weird. Stu- uh, stunts. Yeah, I remember we did not. See it. I remember not. It. I remember even uh, at my, that age. I remember I felt like I was trying too hard. Well, it did. It did that thing. I hated. I was like, "What well, we can't hear." Yeah. You. So Turk comes out wearing like the very obvious like headset, you know, like like the performers are wearing, but it's like huge because it's Turk's head and it's big, and it's a pre-recorded thing. Like, "Hello, Animal Kingdom." No, no, no. I can't hear you. I said, "Hello, yeah. Animal Kingdom." Like, it's hot. Leave me alone. Yeah, right. Yeah. Stop yelling at me, Turk. <laughs> More like jerk. <laughs> Got him. Yeah. Her. 
Yeah, I said M. 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 Adam mm-hmm. still said it like gender gender specific to me, so I wanted to clarify. Well, it wasn't. Uh, that closed on uh, January twenty first, two thousand six, to make way for the uh, Finding Nemo musical. The theater, remember, used to be open air. Yeah, yeah, it was they not closed, closed it for building. Finding Nemo. That's yeah. Right. Finding Nemo show just recently got kind of redone ish. Right. It was closed for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then there are two similar ish Tarzan shows one at Disneyland Paris called Tarzan the Encounter, and one in um, Shanghai called Tarzan Call of the Jungle. I can't believe Shanghai got one. But yeah. This recently. Uh, so in Disneyland Paris, it ran from April 1st, 2000 to sometime in 2008. Then reopened yeah, July wow. or June eleventh, two thousand eleven, for another year. Three whole years, like yeah. gap. That's kind of hard. Then uh, in Shanghai, it opens soft open May seventh, twenty sixteen. Fully opened June sixteenth of that year, and didn't close till August 9th of twenty nineteen. Huh. Lots of shows for Tarzan. No, again, because you can get like uh, you know, like you like can do the, the ropes, impressive the rope right, stuff exactly. and the swinging. And play it's the like music. their own Cirque du Soleil shows. A little bit, a little bit, like like Cirque du Soleil light. Mike, there's one other Tarzan experience that isn't listed here. Do you oh, remember? Yeah? It was during, probably one of the greatest Disney days of your life when oh you discovered God. Nomad Lounge. What's the, what was Tarzan so, about it? Well, so the entrance for Nomad Lounge, that was where Pandora was going to be, but it was closed off. But people would still sometimes walk there. So they just had Tarzan standing there. <laughs> Wait, I do not remember that. I believe <laughs> That's you. That's kind of like the reward right. if you happen to go that Yeah, because at the time it was like, here's a den with this lounge yeah. no one knows about it yet. And here's and it was Tarzan. Because it was just like a half, you know, naked Tarzan, yeah. <laughs> just like, hey, yeah, hey, hey, Tarzan. <laughs> All right, what's next, Edge guy? There were a whole bunch of video games. There sure were. It was the late 90s. <laughs> Got to get that stuff out. So first was the Tarzan game released for the PlayStation 1, uh, then soon after Windows, PCs, and the Nintendo 64. Uh, originally in 1999, N64 came in 2000. This was developed by Eurocom. It was a 2.5D side-scroller. I know I played this, but I do not remember much. I don't. About I remember it at all. a bit of it. We had. A, I know we at least played it on PlayStation. I don't know if we rented it. It's pretty simple. It's mm-hmm. a two point five D platformer, so it's you're just going left and right, but the camera will kind of like move a little bit in front of you or behind you. So there's like some depth to it, and and that's neat. I actually just watched. Uh, I'm watching this one guy right now who's playing through every Nintendo 64 game. His name is The Beast, T H A B E A S T. Uh, and it's it's he's, you know it's a lot of fun to watch. And he did do this one relatively early. It got random. He, he picked some like by, by random number generator. So he he played Disney's Tarzan on Nintendo 64. Oh, that's fun. He's like, yeah, it's, it's okay. I just remember thinking it felt slow. It's a little slow. Yeah. I mean, this is that weird era for these games. It's not Capcom doing it. It's not Virgin uh, Interactive, right? Mm-hmm. They're it, it's Herocom. It's right. fine. But of note, there was a Game Boy Color version. This was developed by Digital Eclipse. Mm. Uh, this was the, their first original title because up to that point they had been known for porting things, which Still is kind of, for kind of what they're known for yeah. now. Yeah, I wonder but, how what this is like. Yeah, then you had Tarzan Untamed, uh, a 2001 release for the GameCube and PS2, developed by Ubisoft Montreal. Wow, this was a sequel to the film, uh, where a character named Oswald Gardner and a group of thugs come to the island. Gardner wants to capture Tarzan and bring it back to England as a media attraction. Is this, is this a full 3D game? Because I remember always seeing Box for this. And at that point, the reputation for Disney games was so bad, I wasn't going to mess with it. Yeah, I honestly don't know. I didn't yeah. really see much about it. Yeah, I have to look up some Disney, some Tarzan Untamed. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious now. Yeah, uh, yeah Tarzan, uh, Tarzan Return to the Jungle, which was a Game Boy Advance pseudo-sequel to the Game Boy Color game, also done by Digital Eclipse. That's Almost sounds too. like a weird remake, reimagining of the original game in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then, of course, Tarzan was in the original Kingdom Hearts. It sure was, Edge Guy. Yes. And as the world's uh, biggest Kingdom Hearts aficionado, actually, that can't possibly true be true. There are some weirdos out there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, point. this is it, their their world is the deep jungle. It's one of the first. I say the first one. Well, it's not the, the first one you go to after like kind of Traverse intro Town. levels. Well, after the intro levels like that is actually Alice in Wonderland. So you go to Wonderland. Oh, right, right. But this is important because this is the first time you get a Disney character join your party. Yeah. And it's Tarzan, and he makes a lot of sense because he has this kind of you know his spear, spear thing, yeah. and he does a lot of his attacks. And yeah, it was a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun. It's you know, there's some of the Kingdom Hearts one clunkiness here, where there's like you're kind of backtracking through a lot. You're kind of going to different areas to seeing which one will trigger the cutscenes so you can move the plot along. And the plot is mostly following the movie. But at the end, you do have this fun uh, fight scene, uh, this f- boss fight against Clayton, and Clayton is on a giant heartless that's shaped like a chameleon and is also camouflaged. Oh, yeah. That's, that's fine. You don't strangle him to death at the end, sadly. <laughs> Alas. Yeah, but he does, he's still trying to shoot you with the gun. So I was hey. going to say, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be happening. But yeah. uh, Interesting. I didn't realize this, but um, Tarzan is not in Chain of Memories or Kingdom Hearts 2 or any subsequent Kingdom Hearts because the contract between Disney and the Edgar Rice Burroughs estate had expired by that point. Uh, I right. wonder if they were planning to, kind of like Hercules, he's always coming back. Certain characters always yeah. are. So there's a lot of Kingdom Hearts games that are basically just, let's revisit the world from Kingdom Hearts 1. And like Chain of Memories, like Coded, and they yeah they'll, they'll go through all of them except for Tarzan. Yeah, Tarzan's yeah. always been excluded from them because of this. Bit of mm. a shame. Now this is interesting. Tony Goldwyn and Brian Blessed both reply reprise their. Oh, roles. they were good yeah. enough for this. Well, apparently Brian Blessed really likes Clayton. Clay- yeah. he calls it his like top two characters he's ever played. Okay. Um, along with like a, I think a Shakespeare role he did. Probably King um, Richard or something. So a lot of times when Clayton comes up and stuff, it usually is uh, Brian Blessed doing nice. the voice still. Yeah, I so can't, that's always cool. I, I almost you think there'd ever be like a fantastic uh, Clayton moment for the villain or anything like I'm, that. Well, again, I wonder if uh, this rights dispute is uh, the heart of that. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Right, because you never see Not these characters but, really come around at all. And even in any of those like like the projector shows. Or yeah, anything. they just have these stage shows and that was it. Yeah. You're right. Interesting. Huh. Alas. And of course, they tried this one on Broadway. Spoiler alert, it didn't take. This is one of the kind of first failures of theirs after the like initial big successes, it feels like. Right. This is like the one maybe right after Lion King. Well, they started previews of this on March 24th of 2006, and it officially opened on May 10th at the Richard Rogers Theater. This was notable. It was the first time they didn't do an out-of-town trial of the show, as they usually do. Maybe it needed that. Mm-hmm. Um, Danton uh, um, Burrow and Phil Collins attended the opening. And uh, you know, you know, they made they try to make it a big deal. I, I remember hearing about it all the time because you heard oh, about yeah. all, all the you know the incredible aerial stunts. Right, that's like the whole thing, all the swinging, which right. is funny because now like it makes Spider-Man. me think. Of, yes, it makes me think of Spider Man <laughs> right. light up the and, dark. And much like Spider Man, one of the complaints I remember hearing at the time was, depending where your seats were, if you were like under the balcony, you couldn't see half the show because it all took place up in the air. Right, it's like you just missed a lot of it if you had bad seats. Mm-hmm. The other thing, and this is weird because usually the opposite happens. They actually made Turk a male character in this one instead of female. Usually they gender bend the other right. way, right? Like, exactly, Fiki or something right. like that. Uh, Tantor is not even in the show. Then obviously you couldn't have like Jane being chased by a horde of baboons. So instead, she gets caught and attacked by a giant Aww, spider. Disney too cheap to get a horde of baboons from Broadway. <laughs> so yeah, like Tarzan fights off a giant spider. I can't imagine that looked very weird. Samwise did it. It was fine. Yeah. Now here's what I think is the the, the the greatest sin of this show. So instead of like Clayton meeting his grisly end, which is very dramatic, uh, they just uh, kind of arrest him, take him back to the ship, and say, "We'll deal with you later, Clayton." 
Yeah, what the heck? Feels, feels a little flat. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure the opening was still pretty dramatic. Why can't it be dramatic right? in the end, too? Uh, but it does have nine new songs from Phil Collins. Again, it, very involved. It blows my mind. Yeah. 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 Some of them must be good. Right. Yeah, it is Phil Collins. Yeah. But it only lasted for 35 previews and 486 performances, closing July 8th of 2007. So That's just over a year. Poor ticket sales. Just wow. Doomed it. It did uh, get nominated for one Tony Award for Best Lighting Design in a Musical. That's a miscongeniality if I've ever heard of. (laughs) Maybe the songs weren't that good then. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I got on Tarzan, guys. What do you think of the film? Having just rewatched, I forgot how much I do like it. It's actually, good, it's really it, fun. It moves. Yes, it's there's very not, fast. There is not a wasted second in that movie. It, it almost, it's not short either. It, it's, it's an hour and a half. It's a, yeah, it's it, good. Yeah, it almost feels like one of those seventy minute ones because there are some of those in the Disney feature animation canon. But yeah, it actually just like, they just kind of get a lot done. It also, I think it also helps because it is so relatively. Self-contained, right? It is just kind of all happening on that island. There aren't that many quote-unquote sets, if you will. Right. So it feels kind of intimate in, in a nice way. It's not a big sprawling movie like a Lion King, for example. But, right. but it works. Would you say it's more dramatic with like you know his parents dying? It's the, definitely the baby has gorilla dying. It definitely has dark. Yes, yeah, so it has a pretty dark moment. I mean, you see the bodies. <laughs> you see the bodies and right. the blood smears and. It's yeah, like they it's got away with like you know Mufasa and Lion King. They're like, what else can we push here? Yeah, people, <laughs> right? People. And again, Clayton like is like he hangs himself to death at the end. Uh, yeah. uh, you know that that I mean that I uh, from when this came out, I thought that sh- like that shot, that flash of lightning in the shadows, so you could see what actually happened to him. Mm-hmm. Man, that was well. So it's cool because cool. like some kids aren't going to understand, but yeah. like you know we watch like yeah, oh, wow, like, no. stars and God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now on Disney Plus, there's not many extras, but some of them are deleted scenes, and one of them is the alternative kind of Clayton fight, and it takes place on a riverboat mm-hmm. instead. In that version, uh, Clayton like accidentally gets blown up by a gasoline oh, tank or something. I need to watch that, which isn't it's exciting, but it's not even as grisly as what we actually got. So the reason they changed that uh, at that phase of production is they realized by having Tarzan not in the jungle he was out of his element and they wanted him to have the advantage that's I, why they brought it back to the jungle I, okay. I think they didn't want to animate a riverboat myself but if that's <laughs> what they said too. sure it could be too yeah there was some other the other deleted scene that was on there is an alternate opening which it sounds like it's more like the book where it's the father and the mother has already died right. clearly he's kind of writing in his journal and then uh, the, mm. the cheetah attacks them well they probably got Phil Collins and he's doing the songs but, like, oh, well, well it's oh, interesting because even this. in this in this deleted scene he opens a music box and it plays like you'll be in my heart oh, so okay. like they had some of the Phil Collins right. stuff but maybe they didn't have two worlds yet which is a great like that that's probably my favorite song like i said so that's mm-hmm. a really good opening let me ask you guys this because i i as i was researching the movie there, a lot of people talk about the scene where where they're fighting tarzan and clayton and tarzan shoves the gun in clayton's face and everyone's saying how like you know it's notable how clayton's not afraid in this moment because he is a character with no fear and and he knew tarzan uh you know was was too good of a person he would shoot him anyway i always when i was younger interpreted it that he knew tarzan didn't know what a gun actually was i actually was. thought that also and it wasn't until d- this viewing that i realized that's not what they were right. going for yeah, he got yeah, his yeah. finger on the trigger and he yeah, did, that's well, what he, i noticed no he doesn't in the one shot but then in the next shot he does it's a little bit of a continuity jump right so but I think really, that's I mean, where I got hung seen up. him shoot it enough times. Right. So that's why so I, I was like questioning myself. So wait, I mean, he learned how to speak English <laughs> in that time. Relatively quickly, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. Could it be both? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, again, I did always like that. that right. uh, 
he had that moment where he like it, it was kind of very Batman of him. You be know, a man. Be this gun. I'm yeah, not a man I, like I almost you. feel bad sometimes, kind of forgetting this movie when I think about Disney animated films. Yeah, but I love it so much, and I don't yeah. know why that. I is. I mean, the the, the the Son of Man and the the baboon chase are just exhilarating right. pieces of animation. There's a lot of good sequences. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I, I mean, I mean the fight with the cheetah. I always forget the cheetah's name. Sabor. Sabor. Thank you. The fight with the cheetah is great. There's a lot. Yeah. A lot of just good sequences. I mean, like that. even now you're still in awe watching Tarzan, you know, swing around the jungle. Yeah, it, it, it looks still blows me away. That's when he's doing his like swishy feet movement. Yes. Well, again, it, there's something it, it, there's something more impressive about that than like a pure CG film doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this, it, I, I think I appreciate it now, kind of in retrospect, knowing that this really is one of the last big uh, 2D animated films. I mean, some ever some make. people say this was the end of the Renaissance. I mean, do you agree uh, with that? I th- I kind of do. If yeah. I think about the Renaissance, it, it, it either has two endpoints. It either ends with Lion King, or we count those other '90s ones, in which case it ends here. Well, what's before this? Right Is- before Mulan, Hercules. So oh, yeah, you count those. So like after Lion King, you have Pocahontas, Hunchback, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan, and to me, those are all at least very good films. Yes, right. and they still did well financially. Right. So it, it's it's after this because you have some films that are like good but kind of weird and different and not big hits like Fantasia 2000s right after this then right after that is Dinosaur and then Emperor's New Groove is after that and I love Emperor's New Groove but it just it feels very separate from right. what's going on mm-hmm. in the 90s and then it feels like a different era. right and then you have basically you, treasure, you have like the adventure ones you have Lilo and Stitch Brother Bear Home in the Rain yeah that's a whole done. separate thing it's done yep Yep, I would agree. I would say that this is the last film of the Renaissance, right? And it, 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 maybe it's, it's just so neat that it happens to end right at the '90s there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think what I think about that run, it really is Little Mermaid to Tarzan. <laughs> Penny agrees with me, and then you some yeah, and then you have Rescuers Down Under kind of awkwardly in there somewhere. Right. Well, and they're all you know musicals too, so I think that's kind of mm-hmm. what is tied, except for Rescuers Down Under. Yeah, right. A nice little ten year span there, really. Yep. That's yeah, good stuff. And if, I, I do wonder, like, where do I rank Tarzan? It's hard to say. I, I feel like I liked it, it more this say. time than the last yeah, time. Yeah, like so I said, it was. I was watching it, and I was like, this movie owns. Like, this is right. really good. Like I said, I, it's astounding to me how dense it is. Like, like there's just no boring moment. Like, you, you, for me, the metric is, you know, I, I imagine myself seeing in a theater. Where would I go pee? Yeah, you wouldn't. I, I can't find a good Mike spot. Mike would find a way, but... I, I wonder what hurt... I wonder if, if maybe... It, it It is doing a lot. It is a lot of different things. Like, it is kind of, like, scary. It has a lot of action. It has the big romance. It's like this Phil Collins musical. It's doing a lot of things. I don't know if that hurts the movie. It doesn't hurt for me. Well, no, I, th- maybe, I, think, I think it helps it. It gives it a pretty broad appeal, really. Maybe the one negative is that, like, the, the romantic part of it is a bit, like, push. You know? Is it? No, I don't think so. I think a little... I think... She I just think, met this... Like crazy jungle man, it's like, oh, I love you. No, well, it's 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 like without smell vision, it's all very alluring to her. I guess. Yeah, I, I, guess. Th- I, I think. I think my, the way yeah, I he's never brushed his teeth in his life. Man, <laughs> those pearly whites of his. <laughs> yeah, right. My interpretation has been, you know, she gets to the island, she's in the frou frou dress, and she's stumbling about and everything, uh, but. The way I saw it, she didn't feel comfortable in those clothes. That's why she can't get around. And it's when she kind of uh, becomes attuned to the jungle, and she starts coming out of her shell a little bit too. And so I think that's kind of where that I wasn't thinking that deep. But I'm just like, ah, eh, whatever. Yeah, sure. They they're into each other. 
yeah, it's that, it's very quick though to me. But well, like, again, yeah. that film is quick. Again, so the, it has the, to be. the scene where they after the chase is done, he's finally kind of like like he realizes their hands are the same. Well, that well that's it, such a good scene. I always love the thing with that too because he's he does that before with with his mother, right? And, then and he it, realizes it's like the knuckle. Well, he yeah, has the knuckles down, but yeah. then he realizes he extends them out. So yeah, it's like that yeah, parallel. Yeah. It, it's very good. Um, for Tarzan, at least in that scene, acting without saying anything. And that all goes back to Glenn Keane, just knowing what he's doing. Right. Yeah, I, I like that sequence. I do. Always, I've always loved Tarzan's hair, too. It, yeah, looks great. Let's it talk, let's so talk though, uh, probably everyone's least favorite part of this film, I feel. Oh. Like. What? I don't know. Trash in the camp. I come yeah. around on it. It's fun. I used to think that, but the song yeah, it's not it didn't bother me as much as I was expecting. It, it, it must to. have been, yeah, just I don't know. As kids, it's like I don't want this. I mean, something cool. It feels like an insert, but to be fair, be our guest is a horrendous insert. They literally, like, Lumiere literally goes, and now we're going to sing a song, <laughs> and at the end, they all applaud, right? Like, I always forget what I watch it, just kind of how awkwardly, like, because it got repl- in that movie. It was supposed to be earlier, and this kind of had to slot it in in the middle. Well, that, not that it would have fit much better in the beginning, right? Exactly, you know, like, yeah, whatever. We have the lighthearted song here. I think it almost feels more inserted in because it is so short. Also, it's like a 16-second song or something. There's like two verses. Or is it more because you just don't like the Turk character that much? That doesn't help. Yeah. Well, Turk's okay. Turk's okay. My issue with Turk, it's not so much Rosie Donald it, herself. It's, it's like, why does she have like this weird New York accent? Right. It's like a little, I, I, a little too thick. I mean, it's of its time, you know. You wouldn't yeah. have that character nowadays. True, true. <laughs> You know, you gotta have your best friend, animal buddies. Right. Of course. And there's two. Yes, you'll hit the cute elf. But then Tantor's great. I love Tantor. Yeah, it's I mean, Tantor's in the Tarzan stuff. Isn't isn't Jane on Tantor in the great movie ride? Is oh, it? yeah, yeah. Well, it's an elephant. I, I assume Tantor. it's Tantor. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm, not, <laughs> I'm speaking based off of nothing here. I, now I kind of want to go back and watch some of these like old Tarzan like movies of the day. There were movies. There were Saturday morning serialized yeah, shows. A million there were things. radio broadcasts. There was mm-hmm. a stage what show about in the Tarzan 30s? and Jane and Tarzan 2. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think one of the last. I know there was another tar- a shot at Tarzan movie not too long ago. I, I don't think it did very well. Yeah, because they were like, well, again, this is one of the ones that gets brought up. Is Disney going to do the live? action Tarzan and then people are like oh they did it's like no that wasn't Disney, that wasn't Disney. someone made Tarzan mm-hmm. maybe at some point though I'm sure they'll I, work I, out those rights I feel like it's not a bad one to try I guess yeah, you know I mean look they're gonna do I mean hey yeah they're doing Pinocchio they're doing so. Pinocchio and, uh, that is something they did slow down quite a bit though huh with those well, oh, I, I, I think I think the market, even though they were making money, the kind of public sentiment was starting to turn. Right. I think well, they, they wisely did. It was the whole the Star Wars. They saw thing, a Little so. Mermaid coming out, and after that, it's like oh, they kind yeah, of did the big ones. The kind of did, Little Mermaid's gonna that's gonna be a tough sell doing that in CG. There's gotta be a trailer live for that action soon, then. Probably. Yeah, probably. We'll, we'll, we'll see what that looks well, like. Well, isn't Pinocchio? I didn't realize it's, it's, Disney, it's Disney Plus only. Right. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. I think Lilo and Stitch is also going to be Disney Plus only. Wait, they're doing Lilo and Stitch? Yeah, they are. Yeah, that one's going to be really? strange. Really? Yeah, I'm not really looking forward to that. I like Lee and Stitch a lot, so huh. I don't know. We'll see. Huh. Uh, all right, Edge guys, that it? All right, everybody, that is Tarzan. So like Ooh, I said, um, tab. I will be doing an interview with Tab Murphy. We're going to talk about Tarzan. Oh, he just texted me, too. Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time we're talking. That is right, Tab. We'll do it live. <laughs> so yeah, um, we look forward to that. We're going to talk about Tarzan and... Because we can't really do an episode about it, but why not? We're going to talk about Brother Bear so we can get all four of Tab's uh, films that he wrote. Yeah, I'd be curious on, to on the record. Hear what he says. I went to watch it before I listen. Yep. And then um, 
Who's doing the next episode? I am. Mike, what are we doing, Mike? This well, is a good one. We're going back to the parks. We're going back to what I think is one of the most unfairly maligned attractions in all of Disney history. Yes, absolutely. Yes. People are just cruel to this attraction, and it is the Discovery River Boats at Animal Kingdom. We are about to do an entire episode of this podcast. On the on, on these the boats. Discovery River boats. Which were great. You mean Radio Disney boats? And they were that right? eventually. <laughs> and they were still pretty good as that even. Oh, I, I liked these I boats. I don't know about that. I'm gonna see if I am I'm gonna I'm gonna dig. Oh. <laughs> we're gonna see what we can find out about these boats. Oh man. <laughs> also, uh, looking at the poll results from our last episode where we talked about the Disney Vacation Club, no one who listens to the show is a member. <laughs> What about, oh, that's uh, well, that's not true. Uh, our, our dad is. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't vote in our poll. Dad, dad doesn't use Spotify. No. What was the poll again? Remind me. Are you a DVC member? Everyone said yes. no. Everyone said no. <laughs> it's expensive. I kind of always look at it like, nah, no, thank you. Be nice. Yep. Someday. Someday. I, I wish we did a a poll. Oh, I guess we couldn't have about our last half episode of which people maybe they thought was the favorite drink that we had. Oh yeah, that it was, was good. A good idea. I have all this tamarind syrup. <laughs> Got to use it up. That's right. Use some up right now. We, we have this. some other good ideas uh, w- with that sort of theme as well for half of it. Yes, but I hope you all enjoyed the episode because we had a heck of a good time recording yeah. our cocktail episode. Uh, maybe we'll do something with food next time. Oh. Do some cooking. You That's right. Ruin the teas. That's, That's right. right. So, yeah. Thank you again, everybody, for three years of our nonsense. We did it. We really appreciate each and every one of you who listened to this show. So, please make sure you go. To 90sdisney.com, 90sdisney.com, where you can subscribe on the podcast service of your choice so that you get all the episodes when they come out. Uh, you know, leave us a review, maybe, if you like, as a, as a third birthday present. Give us some five stars. It's always good. Yeah. Always good for the Not show. Not three stars for three years? No. Oh, five, no, five stars. No, okay, five. All right, just making sure. Yes. Confusing. Yeah, don't confuse the people. Five stars. Five stars. And we will see you next time right here, everybody, on 90s Disney. Take care. Bye. Goodbye.